Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Hebrews. The New Testament book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter number 11. The book of Hebrews in chapter number 11. We're continuing with our Sunday school series of Have Faith in God. And we're studying the book of Hebrews chapter number 11, which we often call our Hall of Faith chapter. That over and over throughout this chapter, it says, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, Enoch, by faith, uh, (coughs) Abel, by faith, Moses, by faith, Abraham. We've been seeing these names, and we also learn with it that with faith, Faith always produces action. That when you see this phrase, by faith and then the person, that it is followed behind the action that they have with it. And that what we understand here is that faith, if you truly have faith, it is going to be followed up with some action. The action is the evidence of the faith. In Hebrews chapter number 11, we see that faith is described. Now, we always take the time to define our terms, so if faith is described in Hebrews chapter number 11, what is the definition of faith? The definition of faith, we would understand, is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, which is looking unto Jesus. That's what faith is. It's the object of our faith, looking unto Jesus. So as we look unto Jesus, we believe in him and his word, that if we truly believe in him and his word, it is going to produce action within our life. Now with that, let's go to the next person that we're studying here in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. The book of Hebrews chapter number 11, and notice with me in verse number 21. Hebrews chapter number 11 in verse 21. Hebrews 11.21, the Bible says, By faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. What we see here is another person in the Old Testament, by faith Jacob. Now it's interesting, the last, these three people that one comes before, one comes after, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, and the next week we'll understand, by faith Joseph, that each one of these snapshots come at the end of their life. Notice again what it says, by faith Jacob, when he was dying. When he was dying. That all three of these give us a snapshot of finishing strong. You know, it's very easy for a young man, young person, I believe in God, and to start charging forward. It's all right for someone who's, who's been a Christian for a while, and they haven't let the fire die, and, and they still have health and strength to continue going on. But something we've watched that the older folks get, sometimes it's the hardest to finish strong. They give up. They stop the fight. And so the Bible here is placing emphasis that, praise the Lord for those who lived by faith earlier in their life. But here are three individuals at the end of their life. We're still living by 
faith. You know, the Bible has something to say about this. Hold your finger here. We're coming back. But turn with me to Psalm 37. And I want you to see a verse that will be very important within our understanding of this lesson today. Psalm 37. Usually, if you open up your Bible to the middle, you usually find your way to the book of Psalms. Psalm 37. There's something about finishing strong. It's something unusual. Again, you could watch someone who's young and on fire. It is easy to start something. It is hard to finish. It's easy to start as a brand new Christian. Everything's excited. Yes, this is great. It's easy when you have life and health and strength to continue to press forward. But it comes much harder to continue when you've been in the fight for a while. When you've been working for a while. When you've been letting the world go past. And it's hard to finish strong. But notice what the Bible says in Psalm 37. And notice with me in Psalm 37 and in verse number 37. Psalm 37, 37. It says, Mark... The perfect man. That word perfect here would carry the idea complete or whole. Carries the idea of being blameless. Meaning that they're not perfect. That uh, they're without sin. But they're complete. They're whole. They've been living their life where people can't blame them. Can't tear them down. They've been consistent. Mark the perfect man. And behold the upright. Notice this. For the end of that man is peace. The end of that man is peace. No, there's something about finishing right. Finishing right. And to have the peace of God. One of my uh, favorite evangelists of, um, of modern times would be Dr. Curtis Hudson. And he was dying of cancer in 1995. And um, Clarence Sexton, um, my old pastor, had once asked him, he said, are you afraid of dying? He says, I don't know. I've never done it before. But he did say, I'm positive that God would give me peace because I've been following and trusting in him. And by the way, he did. There is something about a peace that God gives to someone at the end. Someone who's been consistent in their life and following after God. You know, there is a way that people die. I've been at the hospital beds of those who are saved and those who are not saved. I've been watching those who are dying Uh, who followed God and those who were not following God. And there is a difference in how they leave this earth. There is a difference of how they leave this life. And God says here that mark the perfect man and behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. There's something about having peace at the end of your life. A peace that you know that things are right between you and the Savior. And that you've done everything that you could. And you could leave this earth right. Again, why are we putting a big deal out of this? Because this is where God placed the emphasis. That here, by faith in the book of Hebrews, we have three men right in a row that no matter what they did before, that they come to the end of their life and the Bible places an emphasis on the end of their life that they died right. They died right. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, And so with this, let's go ahead and let's explore this idea, a quick study of Jacob at the end of his life. And what is this 
that he had to live by faith even at the end of his life. The first thing I want to show you here is that Jacob recognized God's presence. Jacob recognized God's presence. He recognized that God had been working in his life. Now, sometimes we're in the thick of things. It's hard to see that God's working. In fact, may we show you this? Now, remember, the book of Hebrews is making reference to Old Testament characters. So let's actually look back and see this account. Notice with me in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, the book of beginnings. The book of Genesis, chapter number 42. Now, remember, Jacob had already gone through quite a bit with his twin brother Esau. He had uh, got to the place where there was that home was falling apart. There were almost four quarters, mom, dad, the two brothers, and everyone had their own thing, and they linked up on teams. Things were awful. Jacob had went uh, to his uncle's, <coughs> uncle's place and stayed with them for a while, and then Unfortunately, his uncle, who also became his uh, father-in-law, um, uh, had wages set aside. But in the midst of that, he ended up having 12 boys, 12 sons. Now, the 11th son, Joseph, he was a dreamer. And he aggravated his brothers by telling them about his dreams. And finally, they had enough and they sold his brother into slavery. Could you imagine that? But they told his dad that Joseph died. Again, we'll cover Joseph later next week. But here we're talking about Jacob. Jacob was told by his sons that his favorite son, you said you shouldn't have favorites, I know, but Jacob did. His favorite son died. And to bring evidence of it, they took a special coat, a multicolored coat, and they dipped it in blood and said, hey, we look, we found this. This looks like our brothers. Is this our brothers? And dad looked and said, oh, no, he's been eaten by animals. And so he was fooled into thinking that his brother died. As time went on, we know the account that Joseph had become the prince of Egypt. He became the second command of Egypt. And he was in a time of famine. He had brought Egypt to prosperity. And if you remember the tale that the uh, brothers had to go to Egypt to go get some bread. And while they were there, this Egyptian leader had imprisoned their brother, Simon. Can you imagine that? Simon's now taken. And now they were told by that same Egyptian official. Now again, we're telling it from, from um, Jacob's point of view. He doesn't know it's Joseph. They were told that they could not go back unless they brought their little brother with them. And so look at Jacob's perspective. He has lost one son to animals, one son's in prison, and now he's afraid of losing his baby son. And he's afraid he's going to lose it here. Notice what he says in Genesis chapter 42. Genesis chapter 42, and notice with me in verse number 36. He says, and Jacob their father said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not. And Simeon, Simon, is not. And ye will take Benjamin away. Notice what he says. All these things are against me. Now remember, what we're talking about 
here eventually is we're going to get to the idea that Jacob recognized God's presence. But it's hard sometimes to recognize God's presence when it seems like you're in the thick of it, when you're in the midst of the situation. So in Jacob's situation where he's at right now, he sees that he's lost two sons and now his third son's take, uh, um, being promised to be taken away. And him, as he's looking at his situation, he's not looking at God right now. He's looking at his situation, and he says, everything's against me. It's, everything's against me. Everything's falling apart. Why me? This is horrible. And he's upset, and he's disappointed. <laughs> but it's interesting that throughout Jacob's life, God appeared to Jacob five different times. And you know that every time that God showed up to Jacob was the purpose of correcting him, for the purpose of getting his eyes up on the Lord. Five different times God showed up for the purpose to say, get your eyes off the circumstances and look at me. Look at me. Look at me. So how does this end up? Well, turn with me to Genesis chapter number 48. Genesis 48. And we're going to cover more of 48 in here in just a bit. But I want to bring you specifically to Genesis 48. And I want you to look at something here. Notice in Genesis 48, this is at the end of his life, what's directly being referenced to in uh, the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. But in Genesis chapter 48, notice with me in verse 16. The angel which redeemed me from all evil. Notice he uses the definite article here. What's a definite article? What well, we know an article would be like an A or the. The definite article is the, meaning the specific. The angel which redeemed me. Who's he talking about? He's talking about God. God who redeemed me. He's looking at God now. <laughs> God who redeemed me from all evil. What we're talking about at the end of Jacob's life, he's now looking at God. He recognizes that God's presence was in his life. And that the purpose that he had to do was to get his eyes off the circumstances and look at the God behind the circumstances. Think about this. Who's he talking to at this, this time frame? He's talking to Joseph. The, the son that he thought he lost those years ago, he's talking. He's actually blessing his children in the context here. Simeon is out of jail. Benjamin's there. All is right. God had been working the whole time. And as he's looking back, as he's reflecting in his life, he could see God's presence in his life the whole time. God had never left him. God had never forsaken him. But in Jacob's perspective, he was so concerned on the circumstances that he did not see the God behind the circumstances. We fall in that trap too. But praise the Lord, when he was old, when he, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that when he was a dying, he's at the end of his life and he's able to look back at his life and, and, and reflect upon it and say, look, God was there the entire time. God was there the whole time. God was working. He never left. That's the faith that God is putting emphasis here. To be able to look in our life and those things that we thought were for evil, turned out for good. 
that God knew what he was doing after all. That God was good to allow this to happen. It's not what we would have chosen in our life. We wouldn't have volunteered. Do you think um, Joseph would have volunteered and said, You know what? I want to believe that my son died for years. That sounds great. Let's do that. But wasn't it the best thing to happen to him? Yes, because Joseph was put in a place where he could not only be in charge, but it ended up saving his family physically because he was able to provide food for them in the middle of a, a famine. Bring them into a position where they would be helped. Did God know what he was doing? Yes. Yes. Let me tell you that God knows what he's doing in your life. You have, may have gone through some things that you say, how, what good could come out of it? Well, I can't tell you why, but I can tell you who. I can tell you that there's a God who never left you. A God who's concerned for you. A God who's there. And as you take time, especially with 2020 glasses, or something about 2020 vision behind hindsight, looking back behind it, and say, look, God was there the whole time. God knew what he was doing. God was there. This is the faith that Jacob had at the end of his life. Not only did Jacob recognize God's presence, but Jacob rested in God's promise. God, Jacob rested in God's promise. Notice this account here in Genesis chapter 47. We'll get some context here. Genesis chapter 47. And let's see this account that Jacob is dying and he wants to put his blessing upon Joseph's family. And notice, if you don't mind, the context of what is said. In Genesis chapter number 47, let's start at verse 27. And Israel, now at this place, this Israel is dealing with Jacob. God had changed Jacob's name from liar. That's what Jacob's name means. How would you like to have that name? You're a liar! To Israel, which meant prince of God. God had changed his name. You're no longer supplanter. You're no longer the liar. You are my prince. I've done something. I've changed your life. And so this is what this Israel is speaking of here. Verse 27. It's a person, not a nation. And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt. And in the country of Goshen. And they had possessions therein. And grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt. Seventeen years. So the whole age of Jacob was a hundred forty and seven years. So we could say that he's pretty old here. He's 147. And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. But I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt. Bury me in their burying place. And he, that's Joseph, said, I will do as thou hast said. And he said, Swear unto me. And he sware unto him. And Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. We'll continue on with that in a second. But here, Jacob has been living in Egypt these last several years. He pulls his son in, and he makes him a promise. Now remember, this is an ancient book. It's thousands of years. This account is several thousand years ago, probably about 1800 BC. So quite a few years ago. And it's also an Eastern book. And so when it talks about that he placed his hand under his thigh, 
uh, this is a way that they carried a promise there. It was something that you would be uh, serious about. So uh, kind of like a handshake deal, that look in my eyes type thing. Make this promise to me. And he said, I want you, don't bury me here. You bury me back with Abraham. Why is this a big deal? Because God promised Abraham the land. He promised Abraham that all of Abraham's descendants, that who Jacob was the inheritor of that promise, would be in this land. So don't bury me here. You bury me in the place where eventually all of us are going to be at. He's by faith. He's trusting God's promises. He's resting in those promises. Even as he's dying, he's saying, I want you to bring me back there. Don't bury me here. Bury me back in that land. That's the land that God promised. Notice as it goes on. In verse, uh, chapter 48, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat in the bed. And one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. Verse 3. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. Now remember this account at Luz. This is also the place of Bethel. And this is where he saw the ladder, Jacob's ladder, where he saw the promise of God that God was going to give him the land, that God was going to do something with him. Verse number 4. And he said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful. So God speaking to Joseph. He's giving this, this recounting of it. Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee. And I will make of thee a multitude of people which give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. Once again, he's remembering the promise God made. And he's telling Joseph about the promise that God made to him. And he's still resting on it. Even when he's 147, he's ready to die. He's still trusting in God's promise. And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born of thee in the land of Egypt before I came unto thee in Egypt, are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. And thy issue, which thou begettest after them, shall be thine. And thou shalt be called after the name of of their brethren in their inheritance. As for me, when I came from Pandan, and Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way, when yet there were but a little way to come to Ephrath, or Ephrath I buried her there by the way of Ephrath. <laughs> the same is Bethlehem. And Israel behold Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? And Joseph said unto thy father, These are my sons, and God hath given me in this place. And he said, Bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age, so that he could not see. And he brought near unto him, and kissed them, and embraced them. And Israel said unto Joseph, I have not thought to see thy face. And lo, God hath showed me also thy seed. So here's this scene. Joseph or Jacob's ready to die so Joseph comes 
They give word to him. He brings his two sons, Jacob's grandchildren, brings them in. They hear Jacob give the account, the promises that God had given to him. And now Jacob hugs the boys and says, listen here, I thought you were dead, but yet God has made it. So not only do I get to see you, I get to see your boys here. Oh, what a great, what a great God that he's been good. He's been so good to me to bring this to pass. So now he gets ready to bless them. Notice with me in verse 12. And Joseph brought them from out between his knees and bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand towards Israel's left, and Manasseh in the left hand towards Israel's right hand, and brought them near to him. So here they bring the boys. So Israel's Jacob, and they bring Ephraim towards Israel. Israel's left hand and they bring Manasseh to his right hand now the purpose of this as Jacob is facing them you would usually go from your right to your left remember Hebrews read left and so Manasseh is the oldest child and Ephraim is the youngest child and the purpose here is that the oldest child usually would get the blessing he would get the inheritance he would get the blessing of the of the family and the left hand would be the secondary. And so the firstborn would get the first. The, the secondborn would get the second. But notice this as it goes on. And verse 14. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh, guiding his hands, notice this, wittingly. For Manasseh was the firstborn. Means he did this on purpose. So Jacob uh, is ready to bless him. Joseph brings the child. Bring the older one over here. The younger one over here. And Jacob switched to rude. He switched his hands. And did it so he's going to bless the younger first. And the older second. Which is out of order. Which is out of how normally things were supposed to do. And Joseph's watching this. But notice this, it wasn't because Jacob's a senile old man, he knew what he was doing. He was counting on God's promises. He knew that God had something, and he's allowing God to guide him during this time of blessing, which is going to be an important blessing. Notice this, verse 15. And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. And let my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw his father had laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, No, not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people, and he shall become great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall grow up to be a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day and said, In thee shall Israel bless, and God shall make Ephraim as Manasseh, as he said Ephraim before Manasseh. And so with this, he puts the blessing. You say, why is this a big deal? Because we have the uh, blessing of 2020 hindsight of history. Guess which child become the most important child out of the 10 tribes of the northern kingdom? 
Ephraim, so much that Ephraim became the, um, the dominating part, dominating tribe. Even to the place where uh, in the period of Judges, remember Gideon had his uh, um, 300 mighty men. You remember that? After the battle was done, Ephraim came down and said, how come you didn't ask us to help? We could have got this. We could have won it for you. Later on, when the tribes were split and the kingdoms were split, you had the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel. Oftentimes, the northern kingdom was called Samaria because of the capital city. But in the Bible, you would often see the other name for the northern kingdom would be Ephraim. Even though there was 10 tribes up there, Ephraim was the driving force, just as Jacob had blessed. By the way, just as God had knew was happened and he had guided Abraham, uh, Jacob to do the blessing here. Jacob is resting in God's promises. He's revealing, God revealed to Jacob that Ephraim would be the dominant child. And as he's dying, he's resting in God's promises. He knew God would keep his word. Now again, God's placing an emphasis here. He's placing an emphasis that in the older part of the life of these three people, last week we hit Isaac, this week we hit Jacob, next week we'll hit Joseph. All of the emphasis of Hebrews 11 is on the end of their life. Putting an emphasis for them to end strong. Which brings us to the last thing here, that Jacob received God's peace. That Jacob received God's peace. Turn back with me to Psalm 37. This is where we had saw before, but I want you to see this. Again, as a reminder, this, is a, this verse had carried all the way through this whole theme for today. Psalm 37, Psalm 37, and notice with me in verse 37. Psalm 37 and verse 37. Mark the perfect man and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. Psalm 37, 37. We all have an appointment with death. One day you're going to have to face death. But when you face death, how are you going to handle it? Are you going to be one that handles it with peace? Now God gives grace. He gives such a peace. It's a peace that you can't work up. You can't fake. But when you die right with God. And you die with your testimony intact. You die with your relationship with God still strong. There's a peace that God gives. It is an amazing peace. You could go back through the, the life of the martyrs. How do you die? The, remember many of those martyrs who died in the past. They, um, <coughs> they would be tortured and beaten for not believing the Catholic Church doctrine. There would be times that they would put people up on the torture rack. And they would put them. You know what the torture rack is. They would put ropes on your appendages, your arms and your legs. And they would stretch you out. They'd have that little wheel that would pull you apart. And yet while they're on there. Because they have trusted in God. Because they had that. God gave them such a peace. That even though their limbs are being torn out of socket. They're they're. Uh, being stretched out out of measure. When they come back to release them, they would actually say, put me back on there because God is so real to me. I was just this morning uh, listening about a missionary story about um, 
a missionary who was in the heart of Africa dealing with some cannibalistic tribes. And as he tried to deal with them, the cannibalistic tribes turned on him. And they were chasing him down for the purpose of eating him. Can you imagine being chased? Running for your life so you don't become dinner. And he found himself, he, he ducked up into a tree and he was hiding. And the tribe happened to, as they were chasing him, decided to stop for the night. And they happened to park underneath the tree he was hiding in. And they're all looking forward to getting a hold of this missionary. Of eating him up. And they're talking about it. And again, he didn't understand everything they said. But the bits and pieces he did, that was the conversation. Can you imagine being up on a tree, trying not to get attention, knowing that if you got the attention, they would be ready to eat you? And when he recounts this story that night of looking down, seeing this, this tribe ready to eat him, knowing the fear that he had, but he says, you want to know who else was in the tree with me? God was. And I had such a peace that God was with me. It made that night peaceful. And I was able to rest in him. That night. You understand. There is a peace that God does give. When you are right with him. When you're finishing him. When you've been trusting him by faith. When you're trusting in his promises. You see that he's been with you the whole time. This isn't a peace that you could fake. This isn't something you could work up. You can't convert someone's soul. It's easier to change the stars in the sky than to change a soul. Amen. But God can. God can. And this is a real thing. We can give you account after account after account of people at the end of their life. People faced with death and are able to face it with the peace of God. Rather than kicking and screaming and fighting and cursing. To be able to have that trust. And that peace that God gives. The Bible here is giving this account of Jacob. At the end of his life. He's trusting God. And the Bible says in Psalm 37 verse 37. Mark the perfect man and behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.